0: Hello and welcome to the next episode in Postcards from Antioch. Today we've got James with us and he's going to be talking to us about sovereignty and prayer and so we hope that as always with our episodes that this is going to be another opportunity to train ourselves to grow um, in leadership and in this area of discipleship uh, and that's the vision really behind the the podcast series. So hi James, how are you doing? Hello Oz, um, well thank you, yeah good you're right yeah doing very well thank good, you good um yeah looking forward to talking about prayer it's one of those things that would be quickly associated with christian living and um and yet we know that it's 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 not a small subject yeah sovereignty that's a big word that's pretty theological so yeah. where are we going with this one today yeah
1: so last time nicole and i talked about sort of had a discussion around the topic of sovereignty. How do we understand sovereignty? How do different theologians understand it? um So you won't have been a part of that. No, no, I haven't listened to it yet. No, that's right. Yet. That's right. It's not really Not, not re- fit for consumption yet. So basically, we we talked about what sovereignty meant and providence. What does it mean that God is sovereign? What does it mean that that He Interacts with the world. How do, how, and we had a sort of discussion around the idea of free will. That's the big one, really. If God is sovereign and we have free will, how do those two things interact, like without cancelling each other out? You know, how can God be sovereign in terms of, um, you know, ensuring his will comes to pass if he's given, if there are things in the universe that are outside of his control, such as human beings? So that was the discussion we had about, you know, what does sovereignty mean? How does God express his sovereignty? Do we really have free will? And um, we kind of looked at uh, the two extremes, called them extremes, um, though you can argue about whether of them is an extreme position. The sort of typical conservative reformed view, based on the the Westminster Confession of Faith, that God uh, causes everything to happen. And he does so in such a way without being responsible for sin and uh and the and sort of that we are still responsible for our decisions in some undefined sort of unclear way. this is how it works the to the other end we looked at an idea called open theism, okay, which yeah. is God is uh open if you like to human interaction and and change and um that our free will is is genuine and the, the 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 sort of the the far of open theism is that this extends to the point that god doesn't even know what the future's going to hold because how if god knows the choices we're going to make are they really free that kind of so it was a lot of philosophy and discussion and it wasn't very uh it was it was you know, an interesting and enjoyable, obviously talk. a clear
0: conclusion. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. We fixed the problem. <laughs> this I, this yeah. problem that has uh, been with us for quite a while. That's right, exactly. Humanity, and there is I mean, you can us.
1: find books arguing strongly both cases, and this is part of the problem: is that both sides of this argument would say, "Well, look, the Bible clearly says this," yeah, and the Bible, and the other side, "Well, the Bible clearly says this," and and that's really where it comes down: how do they interact? And uh, so. Today, in the next section, we're kind of trying to get a bit more practical, I suppose. Well, what does it mean for our lives, day-to-day lives, and, and prayer? We're talking about prayer. So what does it mean for God to be sovereign and for prayer to be a thing? Um, the So what, for example, Oz, can you think of how sovereignty and prayer, you know, why are we talking about them in the same breath? Why does god's sovereignty how does god's sovereignty impact or Mm. make a
0: difference or why why does prayer okay well actually on on the my first thought is if god knows what's going to happen if he's sovereign if he's going to bring about his purposes he doesn't need my prayers yeah to accomplish them absolutely do it without my prayers
1: absolutely yeah this is kind of one of the questions about um the what i what we call the deterministic view of sovereignty not as I stress, it sounds can sound like quite a negative term, but it's just a descriptive term that God, God uh, wills everything that happens, kind of thing. God is behind everything that happens, and this kind of is the question that I've been asked. I may, maybe you've been asked yeah. this: if that's the case, why why prayer? Because what what's the point of prayer? Because God um, has already decided what's happened, and God wills what happens. What's the point of prayer? Um, and of course along along with that is the idea well you know god i can't influence god god influences me but i can't influence him so what's going on with prayer but of course the other issue is well if prayer does change god how god interacts with the world does change not just us but situations um isn't that you know how can we be Mm. confident that God's will is going to be done in the end you Mm. know Um, what what does that mean and and this discussion kind of falls into a question of whether God allows risk or God allows no risk Mm. whether God uh, by by introducing genuine free will allows the risk that his will will not always be done versus a no risk view of the world that God is ensures in some way that his will is always done Mm so yeah absolutely
0: so this is the question um yeah and and i guess the goal is both wrestling with the theology that we find in the bible and managing that those tensions that you've outlined and yet also wanting to move forward in our prayer lives so that we take that that wrestling and it leads to Growth and absolutely, yeah. Changes yeah, our lives it. and helps us. Oh, I can pray, yeah. Because even though this or whatever it might be, exactly. That's
1: um absolutely where we want to go with this. Yeah. Uh, this is
0: hopefully will help people know how to pray. So, do we have? I don't know what you've got in store, but are there kind of examples in the Bible of this kind of tension coming about? Well, prayer. There's just
1: one example that I've got is, for example, how how do you have in Numbers 23, verse 19, one of the, uh, the 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 verse says God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. And then I'll stop there, but though the verse goes on. But then in um, Exodus, so both in the law, you've got uh, Exodus 20, 32 after. Moses has been up to Sinai, comes down, finds that they've built a golden mm-hmm. calf, and God is is furious and says to Moses, Look, I'm gonna destroy these people, I'm gonna start again with you. And Moses actually says, No, God, don't do that. Mm-hmm. What will people say? You know, how will this look? Um, they'll say, You've just brought them out into the desert to destroy them. And then it says, Well, then God relented, God changed his mind. Mm-hmm. So for example, you've got this tension between Numbers saying, Well, God doesn't change his mind. And then an example mm. in Exodus of God changing his mind in response mm. to Moses talking to him in prayer, if you like. Yeah. So that's the kind of, yeah. that's one example of uh, this kind of tension. Um, mm. Do our prayers um, affect God to the point that he will change what he's going Ooh. to do? That certainly seems to be what happened in that story, but on the other hand, when you've got other verses which say, "Well, God, you know, is constant, is faithful, you know, is unchanging,
0: can be trusted," how do you balance those things? Yeah, and if we fickle human beings can change God's mind, does that mean we're wiser than God? Well, quite, you know, yeah, not, but exactly, it begins to go down a path yeah. where we think, oh. God didn't get it right, so but now yeah, he's that's right. So Moses that's, got it right. Yeah, Moses exactly. Becomes the focus. Yeah, does, does And that, that mean? we know that God is God, holy, yeah. perfect, just, loving. Right, so this judgment. this is the
1: wrestle really. This okay. is where we struggle. But so I was ask you a question. Uh, hopefully, it's a very easy question for you. Does the Bible give you the impression that prayer matters? That it's important. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. Right answer. Yeah, absolutely. The Bible, you can't read the Bible and come away with the idea that prayer doesn't matter. Mm. So, what we have to deal with in some aspect is however we understand it, we have to accept that the Bible teaches that prayer is important and something we should be doing. So, if we have a theology which undermines that, which makes it harder for us to pray, we need to do something about that We because we're sort of contradicting what the Bible's giving giving us and, and teaching us. Um, so we have to start from there, I think, with the idea that the Bible says that prayer is important, prayer matters, that has to undergird. In fact, um, one of the things that Jesus teaches us to do in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, he's gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer. Mm. And one of the things God uh, Jesus tells us to pray is, you know, your will be done on earth it is as it is in heaven, praying that we can pray for God. We should be praying for God's will to be done, mm. which again throws up the question, does, does that mean that God's will isn't always done? Mm. Does that mean that if we don't pray, God's will won't be done?
0: Does it mean that it might speed up God's will happening?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, so we're kind of what we, again, what we, however we understand it, we build up an evidence that prayer matters, that Jesus says we need to pray for God's will to be done. Um, so clearly God has created a world. He said yes to a world in which prayer matters. Okay, I think that's indisputable. And no one would say that. Whichever view of the... sovereignty sort of uh spectrum you take no one is saying i haven't read anyone saying you know either those people saying oh well god wills everything you know he's no one says prayer doesn't matter prayer is not important um there might be questions over whether you know you pray for something because god actually has determined that you will pray for it or 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 so on but no one is saying you know, well, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. Sovereign, My view of sovereignty means prayer doesn't matter. God has said yes to a world. He's created a world where prayer matters, where communication with him seems to be a key part of
0: what life should consist of. Yeah. So, yeah, that's quite an interesting point. You just said communication with him. So that begs the question. It's beyond just the end result. Absolutely. It might be about yeah. the relationship that prayer enables yeah
1: so god's god's created a world created an environment where he wants us to have a relationship with him where there seems to be a two-way thing happening Mm -hmm. that it's not all one way Mm -hmm. that um our prayers our worship as well you know are something we can god wants us to bring to him and in return he communicates Mm -hmm. with us so However we understand sovereignty, this is what God has created. this yeah. is what God wants mm. um and this is where we we should be so, so God takes prayer seriously, mm. so ultimately, we have to too, yeah, whatever view we take, definitely we have to take prayer seriously. Does it matter if you know we're saying, oh well you know, am I predetermined predestined to pray this prayer or not? Um,
0: uh, does does it matter you know the point is we should be praying yes and there's countless examples throughout the bible of people praying in the old testament to god for mercy for miracles for help for comfort and in the new testament as you said jesus says when you pray not if you pray yeah when you pray and the early church one of the key things was gathering for prayer absolutely yeah and uh I think again, whatever view we
1: take, most of us functionally live as though we have free will, um, whatever the theology or behind it is. So we should just
0: embrace that in terms of our prayer life as well. Yeah, experiences we make choices. Yes, we that's right. Do things, and we have an element of yeah proactivity on that and level, rather than kind of being directed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the working behind that is unknown to us. Exactly. So like how that falls yeah. and works
0: across scripture in our theological understanding.
1: And sure. that's something that's sure. shared again by everyone in this this argument. Like the, the reform position is the unknowable thing, God's will is sort of mm. is we don't know what God's will sort of that's the unknowable thing that's working in the background. Whereas for the open theist they would say, well it's all the different calculations and interactions between all the humans that we can't see behind us. Uh, But God does know and God can see. Um, So both arguments say there's just things we don't know. and Whether it's how it all works, we don't know. But functionally, the Bible says, you know, Jesus says, Luke 18, told his disciples a parable to teach them that they should always pray and not give up
0: yeah so there's an intercessory element that's uh almost rewarded and um, yeah and uh prayer of the righteous man it's going to have great effect exactly there's a relationship between how we pray when we pray why we pray so are there some principles or areas that we're going to work through to understand this a little bit more that you've you've there there are
1: um i've got um So Gregory Boyd, who was one of the people I mentioned last time, an open theist, he wrote a book called "Is God to Blame," and it's a very interesting book. And but in it, he talks about prayer. This and one of the things he does, which I think is really helpful, again, and there's not absolutely nothing you can fault him for in this, whichever side. Although you may disagree with his theology, he has a chapter where he says, "Look, here are some of the things the Bible says about prayer, like what what influences prayer." And I think these are true. And again, how it all interacts with God's will may be unclear to us. But we're going to look through some variables, I think. Some things the Bible says Mm. seem to influence prayer and how effective prayer is. So um, we'll start with uh, the first one on the list is the first variable, if you like, is God's will. Okay, now this may seem kind of obvious, but also it's the same way you're saying, well, um, if we, as Jesus teaches us to pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can God's will, you know, affect prayer if we're praying God's will into, you know, it's all very complicated. (laughs) You can get yourself muddled up. But again, the Bible, I think, clearly teaches that, well, actually God's will. Makes a difference on whether or not our prayers are answered or how they're answered. Um, in one John five, have you got? Yeah. Let's one John five fourteen. You could read that, please.
0: Uh, one John five fourteen. This is the confidence we have in approaching God if we ask anything according to his will he hears us okay thank you so john takes the view that if you
1: pray in accordance with god's will he will hear you Mm. so and james in james's letter um in chapter four he says something similar he says you you pray but you don't get the things you prayed for because you're asking for out of selfish motives you're not Mm. praying in accordance with god's will Mm. So that's one of the things the Bible will teaches is that if our prayers are aligned with God's will, then we'll get, we'll be heard, we'll we'll get an answer. Yeah. So. So
0: it's discerning God's will.
1: Exactly. So if one of the things you're struggling with is you're praying and God doesn't seem to be answering, one of the questions you ask yourself is, well, am I praying in line with what God wants?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So we can some of these we'll probably might want to talk a bit more about like that's a fairly obvious one the second one might be a bit more controversial but again it's it's in the bible um that the faith of the person who is being prayed for influences at times whether or not how effective the prayer is like again uh mark chapter six we'll just read one but this this comes up in the Gospels quite a bit. I mean this is one uh kind of a negative way of looking at it if you Which verse is that? Um,
0: Mark chapter six verses five and six, sorry. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay. So there's a it's, it's in
1: Mark's gospel Sort of the implication is that Jesus wasn't able to do, or didn't do many miracles in one place because of the lack mm-hmm. of faith. But through a more positive spin, I suppose, you throughout the gospels, there are uh, the woman who's healed from bleeding, the, the, uh, the, the healing of the censure servants. there are moments where Jesus says, "Your faith has made you well, like your yes. faith." your prayers have been answered because of your faith. So I just think it's important to clarify at this point that because often one of the, the things that we uh, can be caught, sort of worried about is when you sort of bring in the idea of faith in response to prayer is the idea that, well, anyone who doesn't get healed or anyone whose prayer isn't answered is because they don't have enough faith. I just wanna stress that although the Bible says that faith matters, it is one of lots of things is that's a variable. So there's no I think it's counterproductive to start from a position of saying, Well, any time prayer isn't answered it's because you lack faith. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: really important. Definitely. Yeah. Because we get a whole range of examples, as you said, in the gospels, of Jesus healing people or others based on yeah, the situation, their faith. Yeah a number of other things so yeah yeah absolutely is as as, as that mm. and a, another variable the
1: third one kind of bringing it back around it's not just the faith of the person being prayed for it's the faith of the people who are praying yeah so maybe you know your prayers that person's not being healed because you don't have enough faith you know if you want to get into that but um uh if we go for luke it's probably helpful to have a biblical reference for all of these Luke 5 20 so back in in the Gospels there see what Jesus is
0: verse 20 when Jesus saw their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven yeah
1: okay so there's an interesting story this is the story of the paralytic man being dropped through the roof I think that's story is that right yeah and what's really interesting there is it's not the faith of the paralytic that Jesus focuses on or um speaks about it's the faith of the friends who brought him to Jesus and uh, so there's this idea of when we bring others to Jesus our faith yeah, can make an influence on on how prayer is mm-hmm. is received or or not um again James in the first chapter's letter he talks about the fact any of you you know when you pray you should not doubt um, because any, if you anyone who does that is you know like a ship blown on the mm. waves, a double-minded man, James chapter one verses six to seven. So the the instruction from James is look when you pray, pray with faith. Have faith yourself. Um, so okay, so there's there's we've done three, three. Aren't we three. Yep. The will okay, of I God, guess. the faith of the people involved is, is two. The the fourth one again, kind of already I've already mentioned to this Luke eighteen persistence. The idea that, you know, you sometimes need to keep going with prayer, that Jesus teaches you should always pray and not give up, that Mm. that
0: if you give up praying, then you may not see prayer be answered. And that's one question that sometimes I'm asked, and maybe you have too, and personally maybe got an experience of, but that um, some prayers pray once, and it happens, and others for years, and it seems to be unanswered. Yeah, and is that not having faith that God will, in His time, do it? Can you pray and then trust and leave it with Him? Yeah, but as you say, persistent widow, keep persevering and praying. Yeah, keep praying. Don't don't give up just because you don't receive what
1: you want as soon as you ask for it. Yeah. Um, and again, just to stress, these are uh, these are things that the Bible says influence prayer or whether prayers answered and we don't necessarily know which of these variables Mm. are in play at any one time that's important that's why it's important to keep praying to have faith always to persist in prayer uh all these kind of things to keep checking am i praying in line with what i think god wills Mm. those kind of things uh the fifth variable that boyd mentions is again similar to the idea of faith is actually you know, the Bible is full of people who don't just say, well, I see something I um, want, I'm going to pray for it. Constantly asking others to pray for them. So the, 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 um, the number of people praying for something, uh, whether it's just me in my, my bedroom or whether it's, you know, the whole church praying for something. Why do we ask people to pray for us if we don't believe that prayer matters and that having more people praying Mm-hmm. um is important i mean paul in his letters uh it, I, you don't have to look these up i'll just in ephesians 6 19 to 20 one of the things he asks the ephesians pray for me uh when i do this james again coming back to james in chapter 5 when he says if you're you know if you're sick go to the elders and they'll anoint you with oil and and then makes this allusion that you've um you alluded to the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective you know having other people pray for you matters in um esther is when she's mm. about to go and petition the king to ask that her people won't be killed she says sends a message out through mordecai tell people to fast and pray mm. that i may be successful because i'm taking my life into my hands when i do this so this idea of, of asking others to pray mm.
0: seems to matter so it's a numerical element. The yeah. prayers of many,
1: yes, uh,
0: revealing the importance.
1: Yeah, I don't know quite
0: well, what's going on. Ten isn't enough. Right if we had eleven, yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. But there's a. It reveals our heart for the situation. Maybe, yeah, and and a unity. A, and I a, think that's a factor. I mean, one of the things together.
1: Jesus says when two or three are gathered in My name, I'm there with them. If Jesus says, you know, if any, if two or more of you agree on something it will be done although there's discussion there but uh, this idea that community is a part of our okay. should be a part of our prayer life as well yeah and maybe it's also a part about being vulnerable with others mm. like if i have a need mm. sharing it with someone else to pray for sort of uh kill you know is mm. humbling to do Definitely. and i'm not very good at that a lot of the time i'm quite happy just to slog on myself for prayer but yeah. You know, maybe that's one of the things, one of the variables that's hindering my prayer life. Mm. Uh, so the, the, the sixth one that Boyd mentions, perhaps this is might be worthy of a, more of a discussion, is this idea of, of free will. like In terms of, can I, choose, you know, someone may be praying for me to become a Christian, but ultimately if I have free will, then it's up to, you know, whether I choose or reject, isn't it? And, you know, this is a, a question, is how much can prayer influence other people's decision? You know, obviously, if you are um, uh, from the deterministic position, well, you say, well, yeah, God can influence yeah. people. And in fact, through scripture, we've got examples. Yeah. You and I might have examples in our life where it seems like we pray for someone to do something and they it happens and it's not like we you know they're robots being controlled remote control by our prayers but it so influences people Mm. i think again even the open theist position will say god is able to persuade Mm. although he doesn't force people to do things Mm. he can persuade and and touch people's hearts and things like that but again i mean have you got any thoughts on this big question of how How do our prayers, you know, like if we're praying, if I pray for a safe drive home, but someone else chooses to get drunk and drive their car,
0: you know, what happens there? Well, on one level, we'll never know. Yeah. Was that prayer answered or not? or, Or was, I think sometimes the main thing is whatever the situation works out to be. How can I grow in this? How can I trust God in this? What is God teaching me through this? great safe journey home reason to thank god yeah reason to say thank you you answered my prayer and not dive into was it my prayer or was it just yeah chance that the motorways were clear and there wasn't a drunk on the road uh and if there was an accident and you had prayed that prayer then um maybe the emphasis goes on right in suffering i'm gonna rejoice i'm gonna know christ i'm gonna it's hard i'm gonna yeah have an impact because of this but I don't discount God based on that prayer that he didn't answer in this circumstance. So yeah. What was his will for that journey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, very hard to get to. The yeah, of absolutely. That, it? And I, I mean, some people might critique that and say, well, you're just interpreting the events based on to, to make sure your God always looks okay, like. He yes. Out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think we just have to have open hands with those things, don't we? Um, but when it comes to praying for people to be saved, that is God's will, that many, that all would repent and believe. Yeah, the truth is that not all do. Yeah, and will, but His desire is for that. So that's why I think prayer in evangelism um, is always in line with God's will. Now, the specific individual, we don't know where, yeah. how they'll respond, whether they would choose to believe and re- or reject, or whether God moves to reveal him so that they can do nothing but believe but we know that god's will is for many to know him so we pray yeah. that many would know him that's right
1: i think uh, another thought to always have in mind is again this whole idea of not as you said not know it we don't know how it works we also don't know what things would have been like if we hadn't prayed yeah so maybe you think oh well god didn't answer my prayer well maybe things would have been 10 times worse yes you know maybe he has intervened in some way and we don't again we don't know mm. um so that's something i think always to bear in mind is that yeah. you we do, one of the things we don't know is what would have happened if we had done something differently like if we had not prayed or so on so uh and this is one of the this mm. is really what it comes down to is there's just so much going on that we don't know yeah So so we've done six, we've got two more factors. So God's will, the faith of the people involved, two and three, persistence, the number of people involved, how it interacts with human choice and agency. Um, the seventh one, which again relates to this, is this idea of spiritual warfare.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because one of the things, again, we believe is that there are spiritual forces in this world that are not loyal to God, that are seeking to undermine God's will um, and seeking to thwart his will. So here's, here's an interesting passage. Could you flip to Daniel, please? Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. Okay. So here's Daniel chapter 10. A bit of context is Daniel is praying about something. This is, and then, uh, And I think an angel comes to give him an answer to his prayer. And the angel says this in verses
0: 12 to 13. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So this Daniel's a uh, tricky book and there's a lot of apocalyptic
1: language and this kind of illusions and metaphors and, and all kinds of things. But what seems to be indicated there is Daniel's prayer was heard on day one, but it took 21 days for him to get an answer mm-hmm. because the messenger that came to him was delayed by some kind of, I don't know, the Prince of Persia and the, the sort, sort of spiritual battle was going on that daniel was unaware of you see so um and i think although you know you may think well i want to know more about that passage feel free to do a study on daniel yourself but behind that is this idea that there are also other forces, not just human forces involved
0: in in prayer that when we pray we're engaging in spiritual warfare Mm. And yeah, it reminds me of Ephesians six. You might have yeah had it lined up, but to put on the full armor of God, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the he- heavenly realms, as you've said. And then towards the end, it says, "It's quite an emphasis on pray, pray for me, pray in the spirit on all occasions, mm. prayer requests, pray that I can declare." Yeah. yeah. So prayer and spiritual warfare. That's, absolutely. That is the spiritual warfare.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a primary battleground for mm.
0: spiritual warfare is prayer. Um, and that's another aspect of prayer that, that the Bible talks about. And we can often in our culture context, churches in the West possibly mm. overlook that. Yeah. Because maybe absolutely. the manifestations aren't as apparent as they might be in other contexts that we hear mm. of. So it's really good to hear you mention it and for us to read and as we do in the Bible, see yeah. that the realities of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a reality. And, and uh,
1: you know, as you say, other cultures, churches in other cultures, other parts of the world are a lot more mm. familiar and accepting and experienced with this kind of thing because they're aware of it as a reality. Whereas we are uh, influenced by a materialistic worldview, perhaps under, under yeah. emphasise.
0: Yeah. the devil's schemes are just different that's yeah. exactly right exactly so um, that leads us to 7 or 8 8 that's number 7 so one more yep last one i've
1: got is sin so perhaps this is uh, touching on that first one god's will is uh, let's look at um maybe we'll go with james chapter 5 verse 16 see what that says So James, it turns out, has quite a lot to say on this
0: You do indeed. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he does. Verse 16. Yeah. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Yeah,
1: okay. So James there links the idea of sin to us not receiving what we pray for, particularly in terms of healing. In Psalm 66, it kind of, I think, there's a a statement, you know, if I had cherished sin in my heart, you would not have heard me. This idea that if we hold on to sin, God would not have heard the psalmist's prayer. So Mm -hmm. it seems, the Bible again seems to suggest that that sin in our lives can influence whether or not our prayers Mm -hmm. are effective, because as James said, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful Mm -hmm. and effective. So the prayers... The consequences is the prayers of an unrighteous person, probably not as effective, not as powerful yes, yeah. so those are the sort of eight variables that Boyd mentions, as I said, I thought they were pretty good, and that's those were focused on you know perhaps why why is prayer answered? why is it not answered because this is one of the big questions and ties in with sovereignty is well, why was this prayer answered? why was that not answered and um or not answered in the way I thought it would be or as soon as I thought it would be. All those kind of questions uh, come down to the fact that the Bible says, well, there's a lot of variables
0: involved when we pray. It's not as simple as saying, this is what I want, God, get on. There. So, okay, that's really helpful to know that that's really not the primary purpose of prayer is to get what we want. Even if it is in line with God's will, the aim is is much more an openness at the complexity of yeah, of, well, of life that's and right. What God is doing to achieve His will and the relational experience of communing with God. Yeah,
1: we we can as uh, we can assume that if God wanted it to work differently, He would have made it work differently. He would have created a world where you literally just had to send him an email, and what you wanted would be instantly. You get an instant reply.
0: You know, um, you've seen that Bruce Almighty. I have film. never seen that. You but, need to watch that. There's but, a great moment where, yeah, Bruce is answering all the prayer emails yeah. and just does yes all, and the kind of catastrophic effect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has. So yes, very interesting. Yeah, But there's, uh, there's one, maybe if you're listening to this, you, you know what I mean. Um, mm. So those are the variables and how all this
1: interacts with God's sovereignty. As I said at the beginning, the determinist says, well, there's an unknowable thing behind our prayer life, which is God's will, like what God has willed to happen. And the open theist would say, well, there's an unknowable thing behind our prayer life, which is how all these variables and you know how human free will interacts with all these things. And both, both positions are saying the same is we just don't know. You just pray as though prayer matters more than
0: anything and trust god as though it all depends on him yeah that's really helpful thank you so much that's all right i
1: thought i'd finish with just a story to to show i think it's a story i i was told by a, a guy in australia called warwick um that i think illustrates some of these points that we've been talking about and sort of how prayer works with interacts with some of these issues and Um, so what uh it's about warwick was attending a a a men's kind of conference or a men's event in australia about 20 blokes there and while he was sitting in a meeting and they were sharing and praying with each other he felt like god was saying to him i want you to go over to this guy over there and give him a hug just hold him and he sort of wrestled with this for a little while because it's an odd thing to do in the middle of a Meeting, but he got up. He thought, oh, "I'll do it." So he got up, and they—they they were sitting. He says they were sitting on sofas like this. So the guy who—he felt God wanting to hug. I think was like on the end, squished up on the end. So he couldn't sit next to him. He couldn't come in front of him. So he came behind him, and he sort of put one arm around his head and one arm around his neck, sort of from behind, like that. And he said that as he did that, someone on the other side of the room who wasn't paying attention, wasn't looking suddenly shared a verse from Song of Songs, Song Songs 26, which is his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. And when he shared that and with Warwick holding this guy, this guy just started crying. Um and Warwick felt like God was saying to him, Tell this guy, I have been holding him, tell him I'm holding him, tell him I have been holding him, telling him that I will always hold him. so Warwick told this guy that this is what he thought God wanted him to say to him. anyway, the meeting went on later this this man came up to Warwick and said i thought I uh, thought you should see this, and he showed him what his journal, the words he'd written in his journal that morning, and they were something like, God, I can't do this anymore' if by the end of today you don't show me that you're holding me then i'm walking away from you because this is too hard and so this guy had written in his thought in his journal and god had responded through warwick but the interesting thing is that a bit later a little bit later warwick came Warwick, another guy came out to warwick and said oh, i'm so glad you went and gave that guy a hug and warwick said why and he said because i felt like god was telling me to do that wow and uh he obviously he didn't he didn't and the other guy did yeah and warwick did so this for me kind of feels like a, an illustration of how prayer this messy interaction of of man and god or women and god that prayer really is you've got this guy who says god i need you to hold me and god says i'm gonna do okay i will do that but the first person he goes to god says says sort of says i don't think i can do that so god doesn't give up god says okay well let's try someone else and and goes to warwick who is obedient and i feel like there's an illustration there in in how prayer works that it is a messy thing That there's an unknown, there's a lot of unknown variables behind it, like uh, as to why God responded in that way to that guy. When I'm sure there are other people who at times have wanted a hug from God Mm. and not felt like they've received it. And there are all kinds of variables, but there's um, a final kind of verse I want us to look at. Could you turn to Ezekiel 22, please, verse 29 to 31.
0: Ezekiel twenty two,
1: verse twenty nine to thirty one. So, I will, before you read that, I'll say um, you can't. I don't think you can read the Bible and come away with the idea that oh, prayer isn't that big a deal. Prayer doesn't matter. I shouldn't be doing it. As I said, if you've got a view of God which has tainted your how you pray, has made it harder for you to pray, then you need to address that. You've got the wrong view of God in some way. You've you've not understood something, and it's okay to not understand how it all works. Whatever you believe about God's sovereignty you should pray as though it does depend on you I think and uh, in fact
0: if you could read Ezekiel 22 verse 29 to 31 please the people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery they oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner denying them justice I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found no one so I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Yeah, so... Wow, thanks for that First James.
1: That's all right. So there's an indication there, I think God is saying, look, I'm looking for people to intercede. I'm looking for people to stand in the gap. And I think that's what prayer is. It's standing in the gap, particularly praying for others. And so it's no good to say... Oh well, it's God's will, or you know, God's will will be done anyway. So it doesn't matter what I do, because Ezekiel, you know, he says, "As Ezekiel, I'm looking for people.
0: I'm looking for people to stand in the gap, and if they don't, yeah, things are going to turn out differently." No, that's really helpful. Prayer matters. It makes a difference. It grows us. God uses it to achieve His will, and you've helped us think through some of those variables. And what a helpful uh, story! As well thank you so much thank you also for joining us and we hope you've learned something on this subject of sovereignty and prayer and do join us again next time for our next episode from postcards from antioch that's it from us today have a great day